so grateful for their ability to adapt and adjust on the fly. Look at that. We actually have a PowerPoint. That's good to see. Um, before I get into that, I'd like to just say we have uh, some stuff for the kids. Uh, we're not having a special children's time. Uh, the first Sundays of every month, we invite our kids to stay with us so that our adults and kids, whoever is interested to partake of communion, uh, can do that with us. So you can go outside, just outside the, the glass window, outside the doors there, and get some stuff if you are interested, kids, to doodle and write and play a little bit uh, while we're going through the message here. So you can do that now. Thank you to those of you that are up in the balcony feverishly trying to figure all this stuff out. Uh, let's give them a little hand clap as well. Thank you. I know they care very deeply that they like to get this all just right, and when technology doesn't work, it all falls apart a little bit. So they're all a little nervous up there, but thank you guys. You're doing fine. You're doing great. This morning I'm going to continue. Um, we are in our fifth Sunday of working through a series I've called Life Together. It is a series that is based upon uh, a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you've heard me talk about that, it is a book that will be all of our small groups will be kicking off this week. Uh, so if you haven't gotten a chance to sign up for a small group, I hope you can do that yet. Um, but we're going to be walking through this entire book together uh, with a study guide over the next 10 to 12 weeks together. But I've been preaching through this because I also believe that it is foundational for us as a church. What defines us? What makes us unique as a community? And what are the elements that are special about being a church? Not just a group of people that like each other, not just a group of people that get together on a regular basis, every week that is, right? But what is it that makes church uniquely church? And so we've been walking through that, and if you've been here, you can go back and listen to some of the other messages. We've, we've talked about how it all revolves around Jesus Christ. The work that Jesus has done in other people's lives, the work that Jesus has done in my life, comes together in a place where we can celebrate that together. And then through that celebration and that witness, it encourages others to come alongside, and, and together we form this community that is all about Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about life together. And we've looked at the different angles on that. What distinguishes us? What defines us? What Last week we talked about what compels us. And this week we're looking at what empowers our community. So what empowers our community is where we're starting today. As I said earlier, our thought that I'd like you to kind of build off of today in your own mind is to be a transformative community, we must be an empowered community. In other words, the difference that we make in the world, the difference that we make in each other's lives, the difference that we make as we tell other people doesn't come from within us. It comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from God's Holy Spirit within us, right? So to be truly transformative, to make the difference that we envision making, that we desire to make, we must be empowered. A couple of weeks ago, I think I mentioned this to you, a couple of weeks ago I went to uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. Commission, Greater Rochester's version of that here, uh, put on a celebration, a community celebration on MLK Day, it was just about two, two weeks ago now. And 
we were treated that day to all kinds of special celebrations and, and special artistic things that happened that day. Choirs sang and there was uh, some solos that were sung and some spoken word and some just, it was a beautiful, beautiful day of celebration of Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. And um, one of the expressions, one of the artistic elements that day came from two young ladies. They were clearly in high school um, and they identified themselves and they Get, they, they got up and they did this spoken word, this dialogue back and forth between one another. And basically what they were saying, and they were telling their story of living out their life as African American and Latina young women in our culture, in the schools, in this day and age where women are overlooked and we are dealing with the Me Too movement and trying to process how women are viewed and how we relate to women and all. And these young ladies were just pouring out their hearts back and forth to one another, uh, sharing their particular story of being overlooked and in some cases, you know, treated poorly, unjustly, um, dealing with sexism and racism and all that kind of stuff. And it was powerful. It was powerful to watch them. And they introduced themselves. They, they come out of a program called Teen Empowerment. It's a, it's a program right here in the city that's working with young men and women to, to help them grow beyond some of their situations and some of their stations in life and helping give them new opportunities to express themselves and become a part of making their community what they want to see it be, uh, both through school and through their families and, and also in the greater part of our community. And so... Teen Empowerment is doing a fantastic job, and these two young ladies were, were significant pieces of that. And they made a powerful impression on me. And so I started to think about that word empowerment and empowered. And it really does sum up, I think, very well what teen empowerment is trying to do for these young ladies and young men and coming alongside of them as advocates, providing resources and giving them opportunities and in some cases delegating some authority to them to help them become the people that they dream of becoming. The young ladies in this case, but in the whole program, the young ladies and young men that they dream of becoming and and coming alongside of them, surrounding them with a community that cares about them and empowers them and, and gives them voice and authority and opportunity to express that voice it's a it's a great picture i think of what empowerment really looks like empowerment the word is actually defined as the process of becoming stronger and more confident especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights Again, I chose the word empower because empower to empower is to provide authority to accomplish something. So now I want to take that and I want to put that image, that context into the Christian community, the Christian community context. What empowers us to be a uniquely Christian community? Or maybe I should say, who empowers us to be a uniquely Christian community because we know it is the Holy Spirit who empowers us. He is our advocate. He is our help. He is our aid to live the life of being the Christian that we desire to be. He is the one that gives us the power to be the witness 
to show the world of the difference that has been made in our own lives and to share more and more about who Christ is in our life. He is also the one who helps to shape our community. And he does this. He empowers us through a variety of different means. And here comes the challenge. Sometimes his means, his methods, the ways he does things don't make sense to us. In some ways they are counter-cultural, right? In some ways they just don't seem to jive with how the world is telling us to rise up and overcome and be empowered. The methods, however, that he uses, the methods that the Holy Spirit uses to strengthen our Christian community are no less strong and no less bold, but by the world's standards, they could look weak. And they could be subject to ridicule and criticism. I'm not going to look at all of the methods that the Holy Spirit uses to empower us as a community. But today I am going to look at just three. And I chose these three partly because they are a little bit less understood. They're less talked about. Right? We could talk about prayer. How many of you know that prayer is an important part of shaping our community? Just show me. Yeah. Thank you, right? We know that prayer is important. We know that corporate worship is important. We know that scripture reading is important. We know that fasting and meditation is important. These are all important things, and we will touch on them throughout the course of this year. But today I want to focus on a few that, again, I think sometimes go a little bit against the grain, under the radar, however you want to term it. And so today we're going to just look at these three. Confession. Thanksgiving, and ultimately we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together in communion today. Let's talk a little bit about confession. Confession, I would say in our culture, is a little bit taboo. Anybody feel that way a little bit about confession? A little bit awkward, a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, for me, sometimes I, I watch a television show or a movie or something along those lines, and, and where do I see people being the most real and the most authentic with one another? It's usually in some kind of a bar scene, isn't it? You go out to a bar and you just have a couple of drinks and you just commiserate with one another. And for some reason, that is the cultural and accepted way of confessing our lives to one another. For some reason, there's no judgment, there's no anything, there's no stigma attached with that. I can just sit there and I'm one with that other person or whatever, and I feel one with that community in that bar or wherever it is, right? It's, but in the church, it's like awkward and it's weird to like be honest and tell your story and to tell your mess and go through the stuff that kind of makes you you, right? Because for some reason we have this idea that when we walk into church, we're we're supposed to have it all figured out. And that the church is this place where everybody's got it cleaned up and everybody's looking right and they comb their hair. Well, I don't, but anyway. You kind of get this sense that they're all well-groomed and they come to service on a Sunday morning and they're ready to kind of worship God and you look around and you're, you're just not sure if anybody else is like you. 
That's weird. But that's what we've made church out to be. I can go anywhere else in the world. I can go into Wegmans. I can go anywhere. I can go to school. I can go to... And, and sort of have this sense that there's other people like me. But when I come to church, somehow or another, I feel out of place. Isn't that awful? Now, that might not be your story, but I know it is the story for a lot of people who are on the outside looking in. That's what they think of church. By God's grace, we're trying to do something different here, right? By God's grace, we're trying to make this place a place that is real and authentic and and where we can kind of unload our burdens and share our stories, but, but that is not common in the world. And that also... The world doesn't kind of shine on that too much when you think about church and that sort of a thing, right? Confession is an awkward thing. But we also know that confession is liberating. And here is one thing that I really want you guys to think about today is just how liberating confession can be. Think about those opportunities that you have had. It might not have been in church, sadly, but wherever it has been where you've had a chance to share your deepest, darkest secrets with somebody. And I'm not saying here that it was a private prayer time with God. I'm talking with somebody else, a close friend, somebody who's dear to you. Maybe it was a family member, but where you just kind of were like, This is what I'm going through. This is the mess I'm in. This is the mistake I made. This is what I've done. And if you've ever had that experience, you know that it is liberating. It's freeing. The opportunity to come alongside of each other and bear each other's burdens and have somebody look you in the eye and say, it's okay. I've been there. I've made that mistake many times. That's what you'll hear. I've done that too. Been down that road, thought those thoughts, done this stuff, right? We need somebody in our lives or many people in our lives to be able to share those deep, dark secrets with. And by God's grace, it should be in the safe confines of the church, which all too common is unsafe for a lot of folks. But confession is liberating if you have not had the opportunity to share with somebody about what's going on deep inside of you, I encourage you to experience that with somebody. Reach out to somebody that you think you can trust. And yes, it will mean being vulnerable. It will mean taking a little bit of a risk. But you have to start somewhere because confession is so important to our soul. It is important to confess to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is fundamental to our salvation that we start there but oftentimes it can start with somebody face to face who can just look you in the eye and say i hear you god loves you you're forgiven it's liberating and confession is so important to the life of the church here's the second point is that confession is unifying Because when I look at you as somebody who has gone through stuff just like I've gone through stuff and when I can put myself in your shoes and you can put yourself in my shoes, all of a sudden we're on the same plane. It's not that you're looking up at me or down at me. You're looking at me as somebody who's just like you. Confession is unifying. We are all going through stuff in life. We all are making mistakes every week in some way, shape, or form. We're being pulled this direction, that direction. And confession brings us back 
to the foot of the cross and it allows us to see each other as equal before Jesus Christ. Think about what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. Think about how many times you've had to go and kneel before Him or at least throw up your hands before Him or do something before Him because you know you just haven't done the right thing or you haven't felt good about this. Think about how many times you've had to do that for yourself and now just look around you and think how many other people are in that same situation and they just need to know they're loved. They just need to know that God cares about them. That God isn't walking away from them. He hasn't walked away from you. He hasn't walked away from me, so he's not walking away from them. And to have a community of people that comes around each other to remind us of that is so, so powerful. Confession is scriptural. We're going to take a look at just a few of these scriptures just to highlight, again, one of these Issues, one of these empowering ways that sometimes we just kind of gloss over because, again, in the church it's uncomfortable, it's taboo, it's off limits. For whatever reason, confession is not something that we often celebrate together. Let's just look at the first one. 1 John 1, 9 and 10. This is a letter in the New Testament almost to the end. So if you open up your Bibles and you go almost to the end, you'll find 1 John And in the first chapter, he says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Confession is essential to your salvation. Being real with God is essential to your salvation. Getting down under the radar, under the surface, under all those things, all that facade and mask that we wear when we're in public, getting down to the dirty and confessing it before the Lord. That's where it starts. And we all deal with it. And John's pretty clear there. If we say we don't, well, he says it for us, right? James 5.16 says it this way, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And here what we have going on, and this is the context for James chapter 5 in these verses here, is healing. James is, is calling the people together. Bring the people together and pray for healing. But in the process of praying for healing, you better darn well believe that you will be forgiven of your sins. That's part of the cleansing and healing process. And so that's what he's saying. Confess your sins in groups to one another. You know John Wesley? Remember that guy? John Wesley was the guy that kind of founded... Our church, the Free Methodist Church, well, we, not exactly, but, you know, we come out of that heritage. John Wesley used to make confession an essential part of every small group meeting. You could not be a part of a small group without being willing to unload all the stuff that you did throughout the week and put it out there in your group for prayer, for accountability. We've talked about that in our small group planning process here. We, we bring it up all the time. What would it look like if we were that 
real with one another. And basically what we come down to is we'd have no small groups. Nobody would ever come, right? Because to be that real, to be that authentic, again, why? Why in the church? Why can't we just be humbly honest and authentic and real? Church ought to be that place. Church ought to be that place. Martin Luther, considered one of the fathers of the Protestant Reformation, he was so convicted all the time, he would go to confession all the time. And it says that he would go to confession so much that that he would go there like multiple times a day sometimes and he would be there in the confessional booth and he'd be making things up just to make sure that he covered all the sins that he possibly could have committed because he just wasn't sure that God loved him enough. And so he was making stuff up. And it says, there's this story that says that one time the the priest kind of spoke back through the little curtain there and he said, Martin, I want you to go and sin boldly so that when you come back you have something to confess. Just go do something wrong because what you're telling me, like, don't worry about all this stuff. But he could not come to peace in his own heart. He was just always worried that he did something wrong. I think traditionally, the Catholic Church, historically, and even today to a certain extent, the Catholic Church does this a lot better than we do. We can learn something from the Catholic Church creating places and spaces for confession to occur without guilt without judgment, but with forgiveness. Confession is so important for us. Here's another verse. John 20, 23 says this, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What's the context here? Context is Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus is now among his disciples. And Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit onto his disciples. And as he breathes the Holy Spirit onto his disciples, he says this. If you forgive anyone sin, anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. But if you don't forgive them, their sins are not forgiven. The Holy Spirit that empowers our community, also empowers us as individuals to come alongside of each other to be representatives of Jesus Christ, to be representatives of the forgiveness that we ourselves have received. And Jesus invites us to be a part of that journey because sometimes you just need a real flesh and blood person to look you in the eye and say, you're forgiven. God loves you. And Jesus gives us that authority And that power, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Confession is so important. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the author of this book I'm talking about, says it this way, those who remain alone with their evil are left utterly alone. That is not the foundation or the essence of community. Community is meant to be unified and together. But when we live alone in our sin, afraid of what somebody else thinks, afraid of what they're going to do or say to us, when we live in that kind of isolation, we live utterly alone. And there is no such thing as community at that point because we are just all a collection of individuals rubbing shoulders with one another. That's not community. 
we will never achieve personal victory or authentic community if we remain alone in our sin. We just can't. This won't happen. We need each other. Modern evangelicalism has made faith so personal, so individual, so I'm just going to get right with God, so individual that we have neglected to understand that we need each other in the journey. And we need to change that. That's what we are about here. That's what this sermon series is about, changing all of that for the better, for the community, for people to see that we don't have to walk this life alone. You don't have to walk by yourselves. So Proverbs, well, let me just finish this thought here. Pious community, this is Bonhoeffer's words, pious communities are not open to sinners. Pious communities, you know what that looks like? The pious community is what I said earlier, right? The, the well-groomed folks that come in on Sunday mornings that have it all together where you look at them and you're like, I could never be like that so I don't belong here. That's a pious community. Whenever you walk into a space and you don't feel like you belong, they're probably a pious community. Oh, may that never be said of us. I don't want to be a pious community that just looks good. A spirit-filled community, he says, on the other hand, welcomes sinners and admits to our own sinfulness. We've got to be real. We've got to be authentic. We've got to be honest with one another so that my instinct is not to go unload my burdens to the world who can't do anything about it other than here, right? But to make a space where somebody could bring their burdens and their sin into the church and create and carve out space where they can actually unload but also be forgiven, be liberated, become part of a community. That's what we want to be as a confessional community. Proverbs 23:26 says this, My child, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Unload. Be real. Focus your eyes on me, God says. Give me your heart. If you haven't done that yet, if you have not unloaded your burdens, if you have not given your life solely and completely over to God, if you have not started on that journey, then today is that day. As Psalm 95 says to us, make today the day that you open your ears to hear what God is saying to you. Give me your heart because I love you. Turn your eyes to me. May your eyes delight on me on what I have to offer you, on my forgiveness, on my love, on my grace, on my mercy. Focus your eyes on me. Give me your heart. Today could be your day. Today could be your day. I'm going to wrap this up. A confessional community is one that is both honest Safe, together, and fully human. Dwell on that thought for a while. What it means to be fully human. 
God made you as a human. He loves your humanity. He knows that there is sin that distracts us and pulls us away. But that doesn't detract from the fact that he loves your humanity. He loves you as a person and the gifts that you've been given. He loves your sensitivities and the way you relate to the world. He loves the way you communicate. We've talked about this before. You are creating. Every time you open your mouth, there's probably very few ways that you're putting words together that have ever been done ever before. It's a profound reality. We are creating in the image of God who created us. So let's celebrate our humanity. Let's celebrate an honest and a safe, unified place for us to be human together. Let's be truly confessional community. I have a video that I'd like to show you for the second point. Confession was the first point of the way that the Holy Spirit empowers us as a community. The second point is thanksgiving. How does the Holy Spirit empower us through thanksgiving? We give thanks for who we are. We give thanks for who God has brought to us and done through us. One of my favorite quips, you've heard me say this before, comes from James McDonald. He says it this way, An attitude of gratitude sets the altitude for living. I love that quote. It's just always stuck with me. It's one of those easy things just rolls off your tongue, right? And it's true. At least I've found it to be true. It's not biblical per se, but I think if you read the pages of Scripture and you understand how much God loves thanksgiving and how much God loves praise and honor and to be thankful for who we are, to be thankful for the relationships that we have, I do think there's a biblical basis to that particular saying. I'd like you to watch this video. Do we have the video? All right, I'd like you to watch this video because it actually tells this piece for me better, I think, than I could say it myself. So, watch TV. It's just some shows that you just that are pretend, and and when you explore, you get more imagination than you already had, and um, when you get more imagination, it makes you want to go deep. Or in, so you can get more and see beautiful things. Like it could, the path, if it's a path, it could lead you, it could lead you to a beach or something, and it could be beautiful. Do you think this is just another day in your life? It's not just another day. It's the one day that is given to you today. It's given to you. It's a gift. It's the only gift that you have right now. And the only appropriate response is gratefulness. 
if you do nothing else but to cultivate that response to the great gift that this unique day is, if you learn to respond as if it were the first day in your life and the very last day, then you will have spent this day very well. Begin by opening your eyes and be surprised that you have eyes you can open. That incredible array of colors that is constantly offered to us for pure enjoyment. Look at the sky. We so rarely look at the sky. We so rarely note how different it is from moment to moment with clouds coming and going. We just think of the weather. And even of the weather, we don't think of all the many nuances of weather. We just think of good weather and bad weather. This day, right now, is unique weather. Maybe a kind that will never exactly in that form come again. The formation of clouds in the sky will never be the same that is right now. Open your eyes, look at that. Look at the faces of people whom you meet. Each one has an incredible story behind their face. A story that you could never fully fathom. Not only their own story, but the story of their ancestors. They all go back so far. And in this present moment, on this day, all the people you meet all that life from generations and from so many places all over the world flows together and meets you here like a life-giving water if you only open your heart and drink. Open your heart to the incredible gifts that civilization gives to us. You flip a switch and there is electric light. You turn a faucet and there is warm water and cold water and drinkable water. It's a gift that millions and millions in the world will never experience. So these are just a few of an enormous number of gifts to which we can open your heart. And so I wish you that you will open your heart to all these blessings and let them flow through you. That everyone whom you will meet on this day will be blessed by you. Just by your eyes, by your smile, by your touch, just by your presence. Let the gratefulness overflow into blessing all around you. And then it will really be a good day.
that video just make you melt? It's kind of like watching Mr. Rogers. It's just kind of like, ah, oh, yes. That's what it did to me anyway. I had to share it with all of you. Like, we talk about Thanksgiving. I don't think there's any better way to be thankful than to be fully present in the moment and fully aware of all that's going on around you. And then, to just be thankful for another day, another opportunity, I knew it had to be simple. So it had to be one primary color. It was a color chosen essentially because it was free from meaning. It didn't have the meaning of red, it didn't have the meaning of green, it didn't have the meaning of yellow. It doesn't have any meaning. Through confession, through thanksgiving, we come to an opportunity to receive the Lord's table. Through communion, the Lord's table, the Holy Spirit reminds us of Christ's shed blood that was paid for our sin. And each time we partake, we receive His grace again, renewing our baptismal covenant. We are all one at the Lord's table. It is that unifying sacrament. Just goes with the day today. That's all right. It just goes with the day. It's all right, Andrew. We're good. We are all one at the Lord's table. It is true community. So as we think, as we transition into this time of receiving the elements of the Lord, Lord's table, I just want to put a fine tip on this for us. I, I will embrace and trust God's methods for empowering Christian community, even when it seems counterintuitive to me and to the world. To be truly Spirit-led, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, means we're going to engage in some things in some ways that might be uncomfortable, might not look right to the rest of the world, but we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us through that. So right now as we prepare to receive these, I'd like to encourage you to take some time to lay out what's on your heart before the Lord. Write it down. Pray it to God. And then receive his forgiveness. If you're feeling comfortable, I'd love you to do that in partners, in pairs. If you want to just do it silently by yourself, that's okay today. But I do want to grow in this area of confession. Then we'll receive the elements in just a couple of minutes. And after we've done that, we will give thanks. And then we'll be done. As you are preparing your heart and your mind, I'm going to pray and invite the Lord to do a work in your heart today. Holy Spirit, we come available to you right now. We come recognizing our humanity, that sometimes at war with ourselves, because of it. 
But Lord, we have been reminded today that you love our humanity. You made us this way. You made us who we are. You know that there is sin in the world and you know that your people fall each and every day. But you are there and available to pick us up and forgive us and cleanse us and renew us each and every time we call out to you. And so today, Lord, as we take a few minutes to confess our sins, we express our need for you. We call out for your grace and your mercy. We love and honor you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you today for the chance that we have to be unified, to be together, to be in your presence, to be partakers in this beautiful world that you have created, to be stewards of it as well. And so, Lord, we invite you to just move by your Spirit on us in whatever way you would today. Forgive us, cleanse us, and renew us as we are reminded today of the sacrifice that you made for us. In Jesus' name.